The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sans fan. And this week on the show, we're going to talk about a, a few trade rumors, some potential trades that some of our listeners have suggested and some ones that we've seen around the sports media world. After that, we'll do our usual game recaps and previews for next week. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. So before we get started with that, a couple shout-outs are in order. First, huge shout-out to Ripaldi on Twitter. That's at R-R-P-L-D-I. Uh, He created the Baby Yoda-Devin Booker crossover that we've been using for our Twitter profile picture. So shout out to him. Thank you for making that. Baby Yoda is all the rage right now. So that's really cool. And then to follow up on our usual bet question from last week, we have a shout out to Davey Waddell at Davey52 on Twitter, who got 18 points right on the dot for Aiton's point total in his return game against the Clippers. And Chuck was closer on that one than I was. So he is up two to one for the month of December. So far we have two weeks left. So uh, we, we still, you know, we're, we're both still in the mix for this. So when we do our bet question for this week, go ahead and chime in on Twitter at sunny and PHX pod with your guess and uh, whoever's closest will get a shout out on a show. So shout out to Davey 52. Right on. And now let's hop in and talk about some of these potential trades that have been floating around. And a lot of these seem to target the power forward position. Maybe that speaks to fans frustration and Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky, but let's just talk about these options first. Yeah, so we have a couple different ones. The first was suggested by our awesome listener, Comic Book Evangelist, at Comic Evangelist on Twitter, who says, "Um, there's been a lot of chatter in b-ball media about the Suns trading for Kevin Love. What do you think and who who, who should we trade to get him? So I, I think I'm a little bit more on board with this than you are. I think it would be okay to get Kevin Love. I'm not really excited about the idea, but I'm not super against it. I was thinking about this today. At this point, giving up a first-round pick might not be the worst thing in the world. I think we would also have to give up one of Mikhail Bridges or Kelly Oubre Jr. And then maybe one other player. And that I'm not so sure about. Kevin Love also makes a lot of money and has three years left on his contract. So I think if we could find a sweet spot of trading someone like Frank Kaminsky and a first-round pick, maybe throw Tyler Johnson in there for an expiring as well, that I might do. But I don't think I would be willing to give up a first-round pick and Mikel or Kelly. Right. So my point of view on that is there's no way I'm giving up anyone that we've drafted in the last couple of years in this. I'm 100% against giving up Kelly, Mikhail, or Cam to bring in love. And uh, I'll just be kind of blunt about it. Is Kevin Love better than Dario and Frank? Yes. Yes. Yes, he is. Do I want to pay Kevin Love 
$124 million over the next few years? No. No. He'll be, he'll be 34 by the time that deal's over in, after the 2022-23 season. Uh, it, he just doesn't quite line up with that, and his numbers are going down every year. I don't see any any sort of improvement, even if he gets traded to a better team. I just, I, I just, uh, I'm I'm pretty far against this one. And if I were to say what would I offer, knowing that we'd have to match salaries within a certain percentage, I'd probably say something like Tyler Johnson, get rid of that, 19 million. Then Frank Kaminsky, and then we we still have to make up a few more million dollars. So I'd probably throw in like Diallo and Okobo, just to make the money work. And then maybe a second if if I'm feeling fun, to just to make the deal happen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that is a kind of deal that would bring Kevin Love in. I don't know if uh, I really doubt that Cleveland gets excited over that, except for the fact that they get to ditch Love's contract. I mean, they're not getting anything fancy back in this deal, but I don't know. Maybe uh, what do we know about does Monty like Kevin Love? Does anybody on the team have any great experience with him? Any ex-teammates? I'm not sure about that. Well, one of them is James Jones. That is true. That is that connection. And to look at this from the other side, Kevin Love is a guy who may be able to push us into the playoffs. We're struggling right now. Frank Kaminsky continues to miss layups. I don't think Kevin Love would have that problem. Dario Saric has been shooting decently from three lately. He has been playing fairly well, but his game can be very frustrating at times. Kevin Love doesn't really have those issues. He's been around a little bit longer. He has that experience. He's still a good shooter. Now the defensive end, okay, Kevin Love and DeAndre Ayton are going to get torn apart on defense, but we're already getting torn apart on defense, so that wouldn't be much of a change. (laughs) I think Kevin Love could help us with a playoff push and we're just going to have to decide do we really 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 want to pay kevin love all of this money to be an eight seed this year or do we we, do we want to continue looking ahead into the future right that's that's the boat i'm in too and that's why i don't give up any sort of youth in my trade idea and you know toss in a second i don't even know what, what our second situation is over the next over the next few years but you know, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty against it. I'll be honest. I, I'm not huge on Kevin Love at this point of his career. And yeah, this season he makes us better. He maybe puts us into that eight, seven or eight seed. Who knows what would happen? But after that, and just the the amount of cap that he'd be taking up, thirty one point three million for the next two seasons each. And then in in the last year of his deal, it's twenty eight point nine million. So that's some dough. That's a lot tied up between two players in that final year of the deal with him and Booker. That's a that's a good chunk of change. Uh, another listener at Sundress Dunks on Twitter, who is a great follow, asks about some possibly better options in Danilo Gallinari, Aaron Gordon, and even Otto Porter. What do you think about those guys? All right, let's let's start with Gallinari because I think I'm the most interested in him, even though he might be the toughest one to get out of these because Oklahoma City's in a real weird position where no one was expecting them to compete. And as we can attest to after watching this game tonight as of recording... Uh, they they handed us uh, the L pretty distinctively, pretty strongly. So I don't know if Oklahoma City's interested in trading Gallinari, but I think he'd be a guy that would fit in pretty nicely with the team. He'd clear up a lot of the scoring issues that we're having when, you know, Booker's been dealing with this forearm injury. We've been missing Aiton. The scoring punch has been a little lacking lately, and that's something that Gallinari can fix up. But on the other end of that, does he clean up the defense enough for us? Uh, you just said with Kevin Love, him and Aiton protecting the paint maybe isn't the most enticing thing if you're hoping for 
paint defense as a Suns fan, but Gallo Gallo's not that guy either. He he has great size, but as a defender, I don't know if he pushes the bar for us enough in in that in that way. So yes, he makes the offense better. Defensively, I don't know if we get any better or any worse, but overall, definitely an improvement over Dario and Frank once again. Right. I think Gallinari would be my top choice as well. And at this point, I just don't know that OKC will want to move him. Now, if they do, he is so much of an offensive upgrade that I would give Mikhail Bridges up to get Gallinari. I would give a first-round pick. Tyler Johnson, of course. Dario Saric, Frank Kaminsky. Any of our expirings I would give up including Mikhail Bridges. Well, not that he's expiring, but I would I would include Mikhail Bridges in a trade for Gallinari. I think he makes a big enough impact on offense that I would be willing to do that. No Ubre. I, I still wouldn't give up Ubre, but Bridges, yes. So even though Gallo's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, you'd still be willing to give up a guy like Mikhail or even a first in this situation? <laughs> this is probably recency bias because he just cooked us. Yeah. Um, you know, when you say that, it makes me think probably not, but I'm going to stick with it. I think he's good enough. And if we can convince him to resign, he could be a huge asset moving forward. Right. And he's uh, like Kevin Love. He's 31 years old right now, too. But he's on this $22.6 million expiring contract. And if you have any inclination that maybe Gallo is the guy that you can keep around for a couple more years, I'd be a little more willing to maybe give up one of those pieces you said. Maybe maybe the pick, not Mikhail. But, nah. I, I just don't know. I, I feel like we're in such a weird position right now where we got a taste of competing basketball where we thought this is the year of the playoffs. And then as of late, the injury bug has bitten nearly everybody on the team. We're weak, we're undermanned, and we're, we're on a bit of a, a losing streak right now, and it's tough. But I don't want to... I, I don't know if this is the year to do something like that. I'm, I'd say we're still overachieving at this point compared to a lot of people thought we would be doing, but I, I don't know if I'm ready to give up a pick or a young guy that we brought in on draft day to get one year of Gallo. I'm just not sure of that. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, well, I want to get better. Or- I, I want to get better, but I don't want to give up too much, and then we'll be regretting it two years from now when maybe when Booker's nearing his prime, when Aiton's nearing his prime. We, we want guys all hitting their prime together, and we're, we're in that position right now. We have a lot of guys like that. That's true. That's true. But a, a guy who is hitting his prime is Aaron Gordon. What do you think? So I, I get a little excited about this one because his value might be at one of the low lower points that it's been lately. He's just averaging 13 points and seven rebounds per game, and he's playing 31 minutes per game. But th- that has something to say about the style of basketball that Orlando's playing, and they have, they can kind of do it from all angles there. But you, you can't deny his athleticism. He's shooting the ball decently. I think he's a, a guy who would help us on both offense and defense. He's the only one that checks that mark for me right now. Yeah, I'm also a fan of Aaron Gordon. Uh, he went to U of A, so maybe he still has some sort of connection to Arizona, hopefully. Um, it could bode well for re-signing if he were to get traded here. I, I like what he does. I think I would give up the same things for Aaron Gordon as I would for Gallinari. Okay, this is where I say, okay, I'll, th- I'll start throwing in young guys for this one. So to make salaries work, the d- okay, first of all, Aaron Gordon, he has two years on his contract after this one, and the, the amount decreases each year. So he's making 19.8 this year, 18.1 next year, and 16.4 the year after that. That's 21-22. So the guy fits perfectly in with our core, too. He's 24 years old. So what, Booker's 23, 
Aiton's 21 or 22. Yep, Ubre so, just turned 24, I believe. Right. So he he fits in perfectly if we if we're wanting to build around this deal. And another thing that I like, if you trade for Aaron Gordon, you have Rubio, Booker, Gordon, and Aiton locked up through 21-22. So that's four of your five starting five. And then there's Cam, Mikhail, and Kelly, who we'll see who's left by that season. But that feels pretty nice to have that consistency, and you know that's a team that you're going to build around for a few years. But back to what I'd give up for him, this is where I go. This is where I maybe throw in Mikhail Bridges. And I had to debate this one for quite a bit. But to make the salaries work, you got to go Tyler Johnson, then... I'd say McHale. You can say Cam if you want, but you got to mix that salary in. And then we have to give up Ty Jerome in this deal too, which they might be interested in because they have Fultz and Augustine, and then I don't know what else at point guard after that. So that might be interesting for them. Yeah, that, I, w- I would do that. I would do that right now. And I'm even going to throw in a second. And I even thought about a very protected first for this because I I know Gordon's not performing spectacularly right now, but who this is a guy that could maybe be the missing piece. The, the, the last guy of our core all in that same age range, a position that none of our other guys play. This guy's a true power forward. If you ask me, I, I like Aaron Gordon in Phoenix. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, what about Otto Porter? Well, I'll just say, no. I'm not interested in Otto Porter. <laughs> Simple if, as that. I don't know if you have our our episode outline pulled up right now, but I have all of these notes for uh, Love, Gallo, and Gordon, and then under Otto Porter, I just wrote, nah. Just one line, nah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. Now, to look at it from the other side, he could be a potential Kelly Oubre kind of guy. Underperforming in Washington, comes to Phoenix, really hits his stride. Possible. I don't see it, though. I've never been big on Otto Porter. Well, okay, so Porter's with the Bulls this year. Right, right. And, and I just mean he used to play for the Wizards. Yeah, yeah. So he's averaging... You know, he's averaging his career average of 11 points per game. Rebounds, I don't I don't know if Otto Porter... I've heard things about he doesn't have the motor. He doesn't really want to be a professional basketball player. I'm going to pull up his game log. He's only played in nine games this season. I don't... What do we got in... Oh, he, he is injured. Four weeks... Out four weeks with a foot injury. So he he has been missing games due to that. But this is a guy who he he doesn't do anything that we don't do already. He's not really a power forward. We don't need to throw a fourth small forward into the rotation, if you ask me. So there's just quite a few signs that point me away from Otto. Yeah. I mean, I think this one's pretty simple. Not really interested. Fair enough. Yeah. But thank you for the questions. As always, tweet questions to us. We have fun answering them. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, and if you tweet a a good one, we'll make a segment out of it. That's right. We had two not, good ones. Not saying that other ones were bad, but I mean, if you give us one like that, we'll we'll talk about it. Right, yeah, these were good. Okay, speaking of good but the opposite take that for a transition (laughs) let's talk about these game recaps from last week and uh we're going to talk about three of them here and mitch will take on the rockets one uh due to some scheduling here but oh and three so far this week we'll start off with the trailblazers game this one went down to the wire but it was a loss 111 to 110 this was a heartbreaker especially being there Oh my gosh, I'm I'm getting very tired of these games where we go up 15 late in the second quarter and then just lose our lead in the third and fourth quarters. We played so well up until the very end, and Kelly Oubre 
hits a three and gets fouled and makes the free throw at the toward the very end of the game. And then Damian Lillard just takes over in the second half overall, but he goes for a shot, this miraculous circus shot and gets fouled, which, oh, that wasn't a foul. I can't stand when games come down to a, a foul call on something like that. But hey, you know uh, what though? I want to hop in on that. Yeah. I know that the ref refs well a ref shouldn't want to decide the game on a call. That's the old rule of thumb. You don't want to see that happen. But here's my beef. I'd rather see Baines force the ref to make a real call of a contact up above the rim, Baines versus Lillard, Baines jumping straight into the air, Lillard having to put one up over him or around him. I want to see that be the foul, the potential foul, rather than a charge with Aaron Baines, our center, who's been doing this all season. It's getting a little old. This kind of was the icing on the cake for me. When when the game's on the line, you have no interest in going up for a block shot. You want to take a charge against the guy who's seven, eight inches shorter than you? That's so weak. We we need to be contesting shots at the rim, not flopping on the ground. Right, and I agree with that. And I will take that a step further to say we. I, I'm tired of being in the position where it's possible for a call like that to make a difference. We were up 15. Keep the lead. Yeah, we scored 67 points in the first half and 43 in the second half. That's a right. that's a lacking effort. After you come out like that, and then you can only put up 43 in the second half. That's that's disappointing. But you really got to take away. We did some good things early on in we this did. game. We, we shut did. down Damian Lillard pretty well early on in this game. We kept he had him three quiet. Points and, in the first half. Yeah, you can't be upset about that. But you get upset about the second half where he scores. How many? Quick math. Let's see. 24? Quick math, math, 24. That was quick. McCollum had a good game, too. 30 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Ugh. Man. Yep, it's Carmelo, too. Carmelo goes off. 23 points, 8 rebounds. Carmelo was dunking. He was finishing alley-oops. I didn't know he could still do any of that. No, just, it's weird. It was weird. That's, when I see Carmelo playing on the Blazers, it just feels weird. Yeah. It was kind of cool to see him play again, though, I will say. Yeah, I'm, I'm not upset that he's playing. I've never been a huge Mellow fan myself, but... And I'd like to give him a little crap over the Western Player of the Week his first week back. I don't think he really earned that, but... Yeah, whatever. I didn't even know they still did that Player <laughs> of the Week. But I, don't think it mean, I don't think it means right. too much. I know. Well, and at the end of the day, this was a heartbreaking game. But I would rather see games end like this rather than the other things we saw. And our second half effort has pretty much carried over throughout the rest of the week. Our guys don't look like they're enjoying playing basketball. They're, they don't look like they're trying very hard. They don't look like they want to be out there. It's pretty disheartening. Right, and that's really disheartening when you finally get your... Number one pick, DeAndre Ayton, back on the floor against the Clippers. And, you know, there's spurts where the team looks solid, but the the Clippers just obviously prove that they're the better team in this one. Let's not go too deep into it, but let's talk about what we saw from Ayton in his first game back before the turned ankle. And let's really quickly on that. uh, Came down, looked like it may have been on someone's foot after he was going up for an offensive rebound. Um it looked like a pretty run-of-the-mill turned or sprained ankle, nothing too terrible. Continued to play on it a little bit after that, but once he sat down on the bench, he never came back in. So, And then missing the next game against the Thunder. We don't know about the Rockets quite yet. Mitch will update that in a little bit here, but a little tough seeing him go down. But let's talk about what we saw early on in this one. Well, there's some good and some bad here. Aiton took a lot of mid-range jumpers. The good is he made a lot of them. The bad is he took a lot of mid-range jumpers. We need Aiton to get to the rim. He didn't do a very good job of this. 
pretty frustrating. I wanted to see him run the pick and roll and finish some alley-oops and that kind of thing. Now, I know it's his first game back after 25 games. I should give him a break. But a lot of mid-range shots, which was kind of odd. I know that's kind of his game, and he can hit them. You know, he, he didn't have a terrible shooting night. He was 9 for 19, so not bad. 18 points. He did have 12 rebounds. Seven of them were offensive rebounds. So that that's a bright spot for sure. That makes a big difference. Uh, but I just want to see him get to the rim. Right. The the rebounding, you could feel that he was back. It just seemed like uh, on misses, you were a little more confident every time that we were going to be just snatching the rebound and going the other way. So that was nice. But as for the mid-range game, I don't know whether he's trying to solidify the mid-range game and make the defense come out on him before he wants to take it into the lane. I don't know if that's something that's in his mind, which it shouldn't be. But I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But we didn't really see him do much back-to-the-basket work. And to the Clippers' credit, Zubats is a big boy, and then Harold is a strong boy. So they're, they're, that was a pretty tough matchup for Aiton in his first game back, but we need to see him be more aggressive. He got to the free throw line once in this one. This guy, with his offensive talent, we need to be feeding him so much that he's going to be picking up fouls, just holding guys off in the post. You know, he needs to be drawing more fouls in every state of the game. I think something that added to this though was no Devin Booker. Devin Booker was out with his bruised wrist which still seems to be giving him troubles. That makes a big difference. And we talked about that, saying his Aiton scoring total would be affected by if Booker played or not. And Aiton had 18 points through three quarters. If he would have played in the fourth quarter, I think he would have had closer to 30, like we were saying. But injury stopped that. But, you know, no Booker made a big difference. And... You know, Aiton took 19 shots. No one else came even close to that, really. Frank Kaminsky took 13. Ubre took 14. You know, Aiton, the, the, the offense was really centered around Aiton. Yeah, and I was happy to see that it was centered around Aiton, but I would have rather seen it done in different ways. Yeah. And then again, that's something that we're going to have to wait to see even longer now because as of now, we don't know how long this ankle injury is going to keep him out. Right, definitely. But quickly to go back to the rebounds, we out-rebounded the Clippers 50-44. to That makes a really big difference. Other than that, <laughs> just a rough game. The Clippers are good. They're possibly the best team in the league right now. So, Yeah, it's, it's tough. And, you know, kind of like we shut down Damian Lillard in the last game, we kept Kawhi quiet early in this one. But they have so many other weapons. Paul George, Harrell, Shamit, Lou Williams. They have guys who can score off the bench and you know other guys in the starting lineup who are great. So that's a deep team, and I'm really happy we at least got one win against them at the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something to hold on to in these rough times. And speaking of rough times, we'll talk about the Thunder game. <laughs> oh, another great segue. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, this was another one where it just seemed like we were a little outmatched. So Aiton back on the bench in this one. We do get Booker back, but he looks he's not 100% quite yet, it seems. Took the L in this one, 126 to 108. This was a pretty frustrating game throughout. I will say, though, there was one point a little less than halfway through the third quarter where we had the game within one and then we just completely fell apart and ended up losing by 18 points. Third quarter was just a scoring fest. Neither team could miss. OKC had 44 points and we had 41. We hung with them. It was close until, you know, about halfway through the third quarter where everything started slipping away. Just uninspired basketball. Didn't look like we were interested or really cared to be out there. That's not everyone. Ricky Rubio had a great game, and he continues to play pretty well. 
24 points and eight assists on nine for 11 shooting. That was nice. But yeah, like you said, Booker just not looking himself. He only took 11 shots, six for 11, 18 points. Not a terrible game. Just not really himself. Yeah, you know, let's talk about Rubio a little bit more. And something we skipped on, he had a triple-double against the Trailblazers. That's right. That's right. We need to talk about that. First Trailblazers since the all-time Suns great Alfred Payton. First triple-double since then. Excuse for, me. First Suns player to get a triple-double. Yes. Yeah. yes. You're right. I, I butchered that, but that's okay. we got it. We got it. And, I, you know, there are times where I still miss Alfred, Alfred Payton. I really liked him. I mean, Rubio's way better. Yeah, shout out we to We actually Rick. have a subreddit. Um, we do. Reddit.com slash R slash Alfred Payton's hair. Yeah, that's what it is. I haven't uploaded anything to it for at least a year. But huh. Who's Payton? Is he with the Knicks? He's with the Knicks, yeah. Once the Knicks come to town, maybe I'll try to get a picture. Get a I picture mean, for cut, it. He cut his could, hair. Uh, so. I know, it's crazy. It but is. yeah, the Knicks come... We'll uh, get some pictures, we'll get the subreddit going again, and then we'll try to sell it to a Knicks fan. Yeah, get some Nick picks. Woo! If you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Well done, sir. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that was. But what anyway, are we even talking about now? We're talking We're talking about the, the OKC game. Shake oh. Gilgis Alexander whose name expands the box score significantly, had a really great game. 32 points on 13 for 18 shooting. He was cooking us. And then Gallinari had 22 points on 8 for 14 shooting, but that felt more like 14 for 14. He was hitting step-back threes, and he was also driving the lane and slamming it home. Yeah, yeah, getting in, get into a little tussle with Baines, too. He, he did a little bit of everything tonight for them. Yeah. Yeah, these refs were pretty trigger-happy on the technicals, though. Oh, should we talk about that? Because, yeah, should... so, early in the game, it's Steven Adams and Kelly Oubre. Adams is trying to hold him off in the paint. Oubre's fighting around him. It's getting a little chippy down there. And the ref blows the whistle, points at both players, and every box score, NBA.com, ESPN, everywhere, says that it was a double technical foul. So supposedly Ubre has a technical and Steven Adams has a technical. And then later on the, in the game, Steven Adams gets in a little tangle up. Who was that with? I think that was, was with it Baines. Baines? Yeah, yeah, that was with Baines. With Baines. The Aussie and, and the it, Kiwi. Yeah. And it didn't look too, nothing looked too crazy about it, but he blows a, a technical on Adams. And instantly, I think even Eddie on the broadcast said, oh, that's two technicals that he's ejected. Or maybe it was K Ray. I'm not sure who said it. Right, right. But I thought it, they thought it, box scores thought it. But then all of a sudden, those technical fouls go away. If I look at the NBA box score right now, just to All confirm. Right. Yep. No technical fouls except for Baines. So they take away the Ubre Adams, call it double fouls, but then give Adams the technically second technical so he doesn't get kicked out of the game. It seems like they changed that well after the fact and didn't let anybody know but let Steven Adams stay in the game. And it's it's Steven Adams. If it's Chris Paul, then okay, maybe. It's Chris Paul. Give the guy some respect. But it's Steven Adams. You Just toss him out of the game. Right. Yeah, that was frustrating. It really was. Ugh. And speaking of frustrating, our fourth quarter, 17 points. Yeah, that's really we tough. We haven't had a 17-point quarter in a while. Scoring 41 in the third and then 17 in the fourth, that's that's not right. good. Well, and, you know, on top of that, though, should say that it's the first night of a back-to-back, and we do have to travel. So we did sit our starters for most of the fourth quarter after the damage had been done in the third. So, yeah. 
Tyler That's... Johnson was the only one not to see the court tonight. Everybody on uh, the bench played except Tyler. Tyler Johnson, he's got to be on the move. Yeah. Even if it's for spare parts. Spare parts, bud. Spare parts, bud. That's right. You know, I think I saw an article from Brightside. I want to say it was Brightside. And they were talking about the Tyler Johnson situation. And yeah. they said he's been playing so poorly that maybe we just stop it right now and then we can tell other teams in the trade market that it was, oh, it's a new system. He wasn't used to it. Or, you know, at least maybe we have some excuses in the tank rather than him tanking himself out on the court. Right, right. So I, I can get behind that idea. Yeah, I mean, it's our best option at this point. But now I'm going to talk a little bit about the Rockets game from Saturday. And this game was pretty much how we expected it to be. James Harden went off. Russell Westbrook went off. We couldn't do anything to stop either of those guys. James Harden had 47 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds on 15 for 27 shooting, and 9 for 19 on his threes, and then 8 for 9 from the free throw line. It's really difficult to stop him. Russell Westbrook had 30 points, 10 assists, and 4 rebounds. He shot 21 times. So those guys combine for 77 points. Clint Capella added 14. No one else really did a whole lot. Our old friend P.J. Tucker had 8 points, and he he hit a couple threes. It was good to see him. He was high-fiving Eddie Johnson before the game. That was kind of cool, saying hi to some of the guys he remembers from Phoenix. Uh, PJ Tucker was a fan favorite for a while, so it's good to see him succeeding. But otherwise, this was just a pretty rough game. Clint Capella also had a really good game with 14 points and 17 rebounds. It would have been nice to have Aiton to stop him. Aiton was out for this game because he continues to have soreness in his ankle that he sprained in his first game back against the Clippers. Hopefully, he will return next week or should I say this week now, but uh, that that status is uncertain. Ricky Rubio was also out during this game because of an illness. He wasn't even on the bench, so I know a flu is going around here in Phoenix, so uh, cold, flu, that kind of thing. Could have just been that. Hopefully he is back very soon. And then Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky were also on the injury report, but they both played. So that was okay. Cam Johnson played as well, despite having a couple lingering injuries, but he, he's doing okay. He, he looked pretty good out there. Uh, for the Suns in this game, Devin Booker played and still doesn't look 100% with that wrist. He had 19 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds on 6 for 16 shooting. He, he struggled pretty much. Up until toward the end of the game, he did, uh, he did, I would say, attempt to take over during this game, but kind of hard to do when Harden and Westbrook are going off. But Booker, he started to look okay toward the end, still clearly not at 100%. Uh, then we had Kelly Oubre Jr., who had a good game 26 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists on 10 for 16 shooting. He, he, he probably had the best offensive game of anyone on the team. But I think the big story in this game is our backup point guard discussion. We've been talking a little bit about just about how that position is very uncertain. And after this game, it became even more uncertain, but for a good reason. Elia Kobo got the start in this game for Ricky Rubio being out. He finished the game with 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists on 6 for 10 shooting. He didn't have any turnovers either. So, Ellie played a solid game. He, it seems like he is cementing himself more into that backup point guard role. Even though Ty Jerome was originally expected to have that. But Ty Jerome also had a good game in his 21 minutes. He had 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists on 6 for 8 shooting, 1 turnover, 2 for 4 from 3. He was minus 17, which is tough, as, a co- as opposed to Elia Kobo's plus 6. 
So that does make a little bit of a difference right there. We'll see. We'll continue to monitor this. Uh, Javon Carter did not play at all. And instead, Tyler Johnson got 14 minutes. But really, really, really tough game for Tyler Johnson. Only three points. He took three shots. He hit one three. And, and that was it. He, he didn't have any turnovers, though. So that was helpful. This game, you know, we really didn't expect too much from it. It's uh, it's one of those games where second night of a back-to-back against a very good team and we're missing two of our top three players. It, that's going to be tough. I will say that earlier in this episode, I criticized the Suns for not looking like they wanted to be out there, for giving a poor effort, for not looking very inspired. And I did notice a difference in this game against the Rockets. The team looked a bit more inspired. They looked like they wanted to be there. They were giving their all. They kept it pretty close for a lot of the game. And even if you just look at the box score, you can see that the offensive output was there. We scored 125 points. We had 35 in the first quarter and 30 for all of the others. The final score ended up being 139 to 125 because the Rockets just, they score at will. There was a point where I was almost worried that Harden was going to break Booker's record for most points for an active player. I thought he was, he, he had the opportunity to score more than 70 if, if he would have played the whole game maybe. But, you know, 47 points is very impressive. I'm glad it didn't quite get to 50, but it, you know, it, it, it did the damage and Houston, they just take so many three pointers and they were connecting on most of them. They were 19 for 41 on their threes. That's really tough. You know, we, we only hit eight threes. So when they hit 11 more threes, that's going to be really tough this is just one of those games that our style of basketball doesn't seem to match up very well with. So, you know, Houston, we've played them twice now, lost both times, but it's hard to be mad at this game. We did everything we could. Houston, Houston is a very, very good team, especially when, when Westbrook and Harden are both hitting. So really nothing we could do. We gave our all. Now we have the opportunity to get back on track after this game and hopefully be a little bit more healthy. Okay. So let's do some game previews. And we have three games coming up on this Christmas week. First off, Monday against the Nuggets. And then we get a little break before Friday at the Warriors and Saturday at Sacramento. I hope we win at least two of these games. <laughs> That's, you know, I don't, it's going to be tough to go too in depth at this point because of injuries and all of that. We don't know who is going to be playing in these games, which is really frustrating. Denver, that could be a tough game, but it's at home right before Christmas, maybe we'll be feeling generous. The team will be feeling generous. Want to give us a little bit of an early Christmas present with a, a win over the Nuggets. That'd be cool. The Warriors, I think we're going to win that game. If we don't, I will be upset. Our bet question comes from that, though. So chime in on Twitter, at Sunny and PHX Pod. Our question for Friday's game against the Warriors is, what will the Suns' three-point percentage be? All right, I'm just, the Suns are shooting 35.3 for the season. I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to say 35. And just because we're playing the very shorthanded Warriors, I'm going to say we'll shoot a little bit better, and I'm going to say 37 and a half. I like it. Always the optimist. I try to be. One day it's going to pay off. And, by the way, should mention, these questions come from friend of the show, Josh Cranowetter, at Josh Cran on Twitter. Go ahead and follow him. He had an office Christmas party today, and he said he won a nice little gift from the White Elephant. So, congratulations, Josh. He would walk away with something nice, yeah. even in a situation like that. He deserves it. A real man's man. A real man's man. And then, after that, the game against the Kings... 
The Kings are such an odd team. They just got De'Aaron Fox back. They looked awful at first. Then they looked great. Now they've kind of leveled off a little bit, but are still beating some good teams. I have no idea what to think about this game. I really hope we win, but it is the second night of a back-to-back on the road. Uh, Not looking great. Yeah, not looking great, but I'd like to think that we can pull two wins. I, I think we can maybe sneak by the Kings. I, I believe our season series with them is even 1-1 right now. So yes. a win would be very nice. We're kind of doing the opposite thing that they were doing. We started off hot, then kind of fell off. And then we're hopefully getting back to some sort of average while they did the opposite. That's that's pretty interesting. But this Warriors game, if we lose to the Warriors and we have either one of Booker and Aiton on the court. If we lose, do you hit the panic button? Yeah. Yeah? I, I At time of recording, we've lost five in a row. I'm already starting to panic. I said to my wife as I was walking into the office to record this, I said, this feels like a podcast episode from last season. Because yep. I'm a little down in the dumps. We just lost three in a row last week and... Or maybe four in a row after Mitch recaps this Rockets game, we'll, we'll right. find out. But right. yeah, it, it's a, it's been a little rough. But so let's uh let's beat the Warriors so we don't have to hit that panic button. Yeah, I think we can do it. But now it is time for our non-sports section of the show. First of all, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy whatever you celebrate. We at the Sunny and Phoenix podcast celebrate Christmas, so Merry Christmas. But we're going to talk about something a little bit different. Star Wars. The new Star Wars is out. I saw it. I have a little bit of... uh, I have some thoughts about it. I thought it was great. And you can't change my mind. (laughs) I think it's a Star Wars movie. It's got lightsabers. It's got cool battles. It's got emotion. It's got heart. It's got fun characters. It has everything a Star Wars movie should have. And if you don't like that, then I guess... You're just a hater. So, yeah, people, I think people could calm down about Star Wars. I thought it was fun. I thought it was great. I really liked it. What's something that you like that gets an unnecessary amount of hate? So, kind of on the same level as your Star Wars issue here, I was not, I don't know if I want to say I liked it, but I was not nearly as upset with the final season of Game of Thrones, as it seems like everybody else was. You know, there you watched, Mitch, so you, you yeah, can probably level with this. Mm-hmm. There, there were a lot of things that needed to happen in that final season of the show. And I, I enjoyed them to a point where I knew that things were wrapping up, but there were going to be some things missed along the way. If you go in with that sort of expectation, I'd say that makes the show a heck of a lot better. And as a guy who's read the books and, you know, once or twice, um, yeah, I think they did as good of a job as a television show possibly could. Maybe if they were to do something like a wrap-up movie, a three- or four-hour just epic of some sort, I think maybe... That could have maybe put a lot of people at ease over the ending of it, but I'm happy with what I got of the Game of Thrones TV show and even the last season. A lot of people don't like it, but I'm fine with it. I I think this is kind of in the same line. With Star Wars or Game of Thrones or any of these kind of series, no matter what, people are going to be mad and people aren't going to like it and people are going to have their opinions. I just think if you go into something thinking it's going to be terrible, you're probably going to be right. So have a good attitude. Enjoy yourself. It's cool. It's fun. It's Star Wars. It's Game of Thrones. It's fantasy. It's sci-fi. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. So now I will 
uh, qualify this a little bit. I'm not like a massive Star Wars fan. I've seen all the movies. I've seen some. I, I think I've seen all of them more than once, except for the Han Solo movie. I still haven't seen that for whatever reason. But all of the the classic ones I've seen, and you know, the original three are always going to be the best. But I think the new ones are great. So if you're a hardcore fan and you think they're going to be terrible, they probably will be if you think that. So just enjoy yourself. It's fun. I liked it. And, you know, Baby Yoda hitting the silver screen. I had to ask you what this <laughs> what this Baby Yoda business is all about. And you came through and you let me know. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, but Baby Yoda isn't even in the movie. It's from the show. Oh, that's the... the yeah. The Mandalore. See, yeah, I so I yeah. have no idea. I, I was just making a joke. Here, I've been here's some joke all day long. <laughs> I'll give you my Star Wars background here. I went to one movie, one Star Wars movie. I was maybe in middle school, so this would be early 2000s or late 90s, somewhere Probably in that range. One. I think it. I don't know if it was one. See, I don't. It was such a long time ago. I didn't remember. I don't remember. I think but, it had to have been episode one. I think. Okay, it was. maybe it was. But all my buddies got me to go to it, and I was like, okay, I'll I'll go watch it. And then, assuming that I was going to like it and watch the rest of the series with them, so they could all you know nerd out once again and watch the series, I had absolutely no interest in watching another movie after that. So it, it died right there for me. But now, as a refined gentleman in my 30s, maybe I'd enjoy it a little more. Maybe. I mean, have you seen the original three? No. Episode four, five, and six? Oh, those are great movies. Those yeah, are, like, I... really, really great movies. One, two, and three are... Well, I think they get more hate than they deserve, but they're not nearly as good. But four, five, and six are awesome movie the, all the skipping around with the timeline and i i don't know what's going on there right if you watch four five and six everything will make sense and those are the first three that were made yeah yes because that makes sense okay right i'm done i'm over it let's wrap this baby yes. up you just listened <laughs> to the sunny and phoenix podcast Check us out, Twitter and Instagram, at SunnyandPHXPod. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope you do again next week. And go Suns!